The following podcast is brought to you by Magic Mind, a little elixir that boosts your energy, memory, and mood without a boatload of caffeine and healthy ingredients. Go to the link in the description to support the channel and use code BROKENSILICON to get 40% off your order if you order within 10 days. And it is also brought to you by cdkoffer.com. Use offer code BROKENSILICON for 25% off Windows codes and die shrink for 3% off everything on the website. All right, let's get to the show. Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, T.O., and at least one more letter, Tom. Uh, I am joined today as I sandbag in front of you with my name, with my co-host. I guess D.A. Dan. I'm not sure what well, we're so doing So you're not here. sandbagging at all here. You're just saying your full name is Dan. Yeah, I, I suppose so. Now, I will neither deny nor confirm that my first name has at least two it, more than it, it has at least two letters and my name's tom so it's up to you to guess if there's another letter after that that's my opinion a little bit on what amd did a couple times <laughs> is it today it's still today it's still today today actually feels like it's just been sunday monday and probably tuesday are all going to blur together as i have no breaks whatsoever for 48 hours due to the schedule of the computex <laughs> presentation so that's fun but um i don't know it's it it you know it is what it is and i i didn't make myself do a video at 3 a.m i'm sorry no one made me do that i just decided yeah. to so clearly clearly i have some kind of a problem yeah well we're in taipei time right now i suppose mm -hmm. now let's see here i don't know how are you doing dan i in how's it how's your i've had like one 48 hour long day so far. So how's your hopefully normal memorized in your brain categorized day going? I don't know. It's going pretty well, I suppose. You seem a bit busy, but it's understandable. Yep. So I and I wonder we'll, we'll get to it. How many people noticed that I was had already taken like my sleeping medication before I started making the video and I still decided to do it. And I think I don't sound drunk. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. But without further ado, let's just get into these reader mails. We have so much information to cover today. TMC Peyton writes in, just like you guys can if you support us on Patreon. He says, salutations. Wait, salutations, Tom and Tim. All right. Well, Dan's oh. here. This was in the reader mail channels for the news episode. So I don't know what this is about. But he says, I think it applies to both of us. What is your favorite drink right now? Alternatively, what is your favorite candy? Cheers. Dan, uh, you go first. I don't know. I guess I'll go with uh, gin and tonic and maybe uh, beer for, for my favorite drink and favorite candy, man. I don't know. Reese's probably. Well, what's your favorite? Yeah, I guess yeah, Reese's is usually out there for most people. What's your favorite beer, though? There, I can't think of the name right now, but one of my favorites is from some local in Iowa that I haven't Blonde had. Fatale? Gotten, yeah, Blonde Fatale that That's I haven't gotten to have too. in a while. Uh, right now, I mean, probably like the Allagash White and, uh, yeah, yeah, 
Good beer. Last time I was in Chicago, the hotel I was staying at, the bar there had Oligosh White on tap. And I was just like, yes. Every time I'm in the Northeast, that, that is by far one of my favorite beers. And I mean, on the note of being happy when you get a drink that you can't usually get, you usually couldn't even find Blonde Fatal in Illinois, even though it borders Iowa. I went on one business trip through Iowa, and on the way back, I went to a high V, and I was like, Dan, you told me they probably just have one at grocery stores around here. Mm-hmm. And they did, and I checked out with like eight six-packs of Blonde Fatal to store for the entire summer. <laughs> and I'm guessing the checkout lady thought I was an alcoholic, which she might be half right. I don't know. <laughs> hey, got your Blonde Fatal, though. Doesn't matter. To answer TMC Payton's question, I mean... I used to drink a lot of gin and tonics, but I've just decided I can't. I stopped <laughs> drinking them for two weeks, and I don't even crave them anymore. So there was definitely something there where my body just got used to digesting the same thing. Uh, I just say a glass of wine with dinner, especially sake. But uh, enough talking about alcohol. We've definitely now convinced everyone we're alcoholics. The Forbidden Juice writes in, and he says, Hello, Tom and Dan. What is the weirdest hardware dream, if any, that you can think remembering having? Mine is I was in a micro center and lots of people started saying tie, like the NVIDIA bald dude. I also had one where Tom randomly was giving out Sapphire Rapids engineering samples to everyone around me. That'd be fun, but uh, I I don't remember many off the top of my head. I will say I know I've had them. I've had PC building and like that type of stuff dreams. I do think I used to have a nightmare every now and then of like my mining rigs falling apart like five years ago. Mine, I don't really have the... I think I get hardware dreams ever, to be honest with you. My dreams are mostly, uh, I get that anxiety dream where you're back in high school, which is fun. No, oh, that's fun. And I've never had that. I, I may have had it once. I get that one all the time where I, f- I specifically forget that I, I find out I need to take like three more classes or else they'll find out that I didn't graduate high school. Wait, I have had that <laughs> dream. This is a common type of dream. And during the course of the semester, I always forget to go to the English class for some reason. I had that once in college where it was just like this horrible sense of dread of like, wait, you forgot to take this class. So now you can never graduate. <laughs> it's hilarious that that is a common like type of dream that people have. And Did then you... my current anxiety dream is um, I uh, go and open like the file for like the research proposal i'm writing and it doesn't make any sense well so you do have dreams related to your work and this is technically more so than for you my work so it makes sense i have hardware dreams and you don't yes now when you had one of those school dreams shall we call them i do remember i have had this even like four years ago like i've been out of college way more many more years than four years and I'll wake up thinking I got like a horrible grade on a test. And I'll, for like two minutes, I'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe I fucking failed that test. And then I'll go, <laughs> oh wait, I didn't. And I never have to take a test again. And it's just like, you know, high five. And I go back to sleep. I feel, f- I go to sleep so happy. I'm like, oh yeah, I never have to do that again. <laughs> Luckily, I never have to take a test ever again either. Uh, well, not true. Not I was going to say, yeah, I'm pretty sure you do have to all the time. Firesquatch writes in, and he says, Hi, Tom, this is kind of unorthodox, but that's what this channel is here for, right? I don't know about that. He says, not sure if you were aware of this or not, but one of the SAE Baja events is being held in Cookville, Tennessee this year. 
I figured with your mechanical engineering undergraduate and previous automotive experience, you might be interested in attending the fun event, a four-hour endurance race is on a Sunday. If you do end up stopping by, come out, come check out USU's buggy. That would be legendary. Uh, where is, is this? This week? This is this year. Okay. I think I have the links in the description. Baja SAE, Tennessee, May 12th through 15th. Okay. So I don't know when this was submitted, but unfortunately I was not able to join. Now he does have another question though. And I might've wanted to see that though, to be honest. He says on a, on a related note, cause I'm sure they have to deal with this. How do you stand the humidity around here? I'm constantly dripping sweat and it's just gross. Oh, well we're from Minnesota and Illinois. So it actually feels unhumid here to me. <laughs> and it's nice. The, well, especially Minnesota gets yes cold four months out, six months out of the year, and then for two months it's somehow uh, like I don't know Florida, except with more mosquitoes. Yeah, there's also an amazing amount. Uh, that's a weird way for me to put it, but just a fantastical amount of mosquitoes. And you know, sometimes those ten thousand lakes suck. All right, when they're spawning mosquitoes and causing humidity, guys. There's 10,000 breeding grounds for mosquitoes. Exactly. And I get to say that because, well, I'm from Minnesota. But all right, let us move on from the quite off-subject reader mails and get to the corrections and omissions. QH Freddy writes in, and he says, small omission in the broken Silicon 152 on economics of chiplets. One of the reasons chiplets benefit AMD's economics is that they only need to tape out one die, which they can use on all their desktop and server products. It's been said time and time again that taping out and verifying dies on modern nodes is a huge effort and cost. Given AMD's relatively small size, it reduces the cost substantially relative to what they would normally have to spend for their size. They only need to tape out a CCD, two I.O. dies, which use older, cheaper A nodes and have been retained between gens, and then a laptop die. Yeah, I'm assuming this has to do with, like, me kind of vaguely saying design costs and, like, design work, that a lot of it is literally just taping it out. And we will come back to this point, thank you, QH Freddy, later, where someone asks about um, what they're doing with, like, designing for Zen 5, because I think people miss this. There's a big difference between going to a stage where it's being prototyped and designing it. Now, rough ideas, they can do that pretty cheaply. Full designs, they probably had to use, you know, like outsourcing to some people to help design IP blocks, is my understanding. They had to spend a lot of money to just even do a kind of full design. Actually doing A0 silicon, massive money. The second there's a <laughs> prototype, that thing's almost certainly coming out. Yeah. At least in some form, very close to what you're seeing. Could the clock speeds be a little different? Could they change one thing? Yes, but once they get there, it's becoming a sunk cost. But before that, it's much less of a sunk cost. So uh, thank you, QH Freddy, that we will bring that up later. Melodic Warrior writes in, In Broken Silicon 152 and Die Shrink 72, you've expressed optimism for possibly seeing Steam, or at the very least, the libraries of games on macOS expand more. That's right in the parade, but unfortunately, that is a far-off event in my opinion. The big reason why gaming on macOS is hard to move forward is because of the steps they require in the application process just to get the dev tools needed. Unless you are in the approved Mac developers program, you are not allowed to make or test any apps for and in their OS and App Store. Also, macOS on the consumer version only supports Metal API. As far as I know, only one Windows game is natively developed for Metal API. Metal, War Thunder. As much as I would want more options, Apple's way of doing things does and would prevent such measures. Yeah, I don't know how easy it is for, like, any sort of, like, 
emulation to work, but I guess his point is I've been literally saying it'd be nice if there were more natively developed games mm -hmm. for Mac. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I would also just say, look, when it comes to Linux or Mac, though, Proton or emulate or like the, you know, emulation layer they have for Mac OS, it would still be nice if devs would put in the effort to make that at least no more than like a 5% performance loss. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. To some degree, the onus is on Microsoft, not Microsoft, it's on uh, Apple because Apple seems to be content to have their uh, to have their OS completely locked down to the point where gaming is basically not viable on it. Well, you know, Borderlands 3 is on Mac, so yeah. it's clearly some people can afford to do it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, I would say I don't really see the... I think Linux may get a bit more adoption moving forward. I do. I think it's unlikely that Mac OS... I don't think it's going to get worse, but I don't see it getting better. I think it's going to kind of be like where it is now, where it's like, out of like five or six AAA games, oh, one of them happens to be on Mac or something. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I don't really see that changing. So, good point. Melodic Warrior. All right. Let us get into a much-discussed story from today. Story number one. AMD kind of details Zen 4 architecture at Computex, sparking, spar yeah, sparking endless debates. Here's the write-up. Way too early Monday morning, AMD finally started detailing the Zen 4 architecture officially. Of what they said was actually quite little, though, in this writer's opinion. They confirmed Raphael goes up to 16 cores on AM5, Zen 4 clocks higher than Rembrandt, duh. Zen 4 brings a large single-threaded performance increase, over 15%, but the final number was not specified, and AMD is bringing AI instruction sets, whatever that means, to Zen 4. So indeed, the actual concrete claims were quite vague. Until they showed a 16-core Zen 4 engineering sample running at 5.52 gigahertz in Ghostwire Tokyo, which is quite above 5 gigahertz on a previous slide, and a Blender benchmark that shows a 16-core Zen 4 chip at undisclosed clock speeds beating an i9-12900K by an astounding 46%. So at a minimum, what we can conclude is this. AMD has clearly not finalized their lineup of Zen 4 SKUs on desktop. Multi-threading performance seems to be 20% plus higher than Zen 3, possibly 30% or higher, who knows? And single-threaded clock speeds are at least 12.6% higher than Zen 3 that maxes out at 4.9 gigahertz on the 5950X. Yeah, I said that right. AMD is acting really weird with how they are presenting info. And before I get to any, like, follow-ups and reader mails, I actually thought, I put this in the notes, Dan, you know, forget anything I've said in the past. You watched the presentation, and I assume you looked around at some of the takes online, like, What's your opinion on what AMD showed today? Like, let's just start this conversation that way without even any of the baggage of anything I've said before. Actually, I just decided to do a little bit of uh, math and, like, retrospective look back and see the one benchmark they showed, Blender. Okay, how does Blender stack up against uh, their old lineup? And... According to TechSpot's review, uh, the 5950X is about, uh, what was it, 88, 12% uh, faster in Blender than uh, the uh, 12900K. So if you do, your, do the math, that makes this in Blender about 22% faster. So I think that puts, I don't think that says this is just going to be 22% faster. 
than uh, their previous lineup across the board, or the 5950 across the board. But I think that gives you a, you know, window into how much more powerful it'll be. So, yeah, my guess for is multi-threading. It's probably going to be 20 to 30% faster and single-threaded. Like they said, 50 to 15, 20% faster. I mean, that's just my take right now. We'll see uh, in, I don't know, several months when it actually comes out how accurate that is. But I think that's the best we have to go off of right now. Now, did you look at any other Blender scenes? Because AMD actually loses to the hmm. i9 on Tech, on tech Power Up. Oh, that's interesting. It depends no. on the scene. So there are some scenes... Like, even someone on Twitter responded to me with a Linus Tech Tips thing. Probably if you know this, Linus Tech Tips does a Gooseberry render and a BMW one. And he's mm -hmm. like, look, AMD wins by, I forgot what it was. It was like 10% or something, 10, 15%. And I'm like, yeah, but in the BMW one, AMD loses by 5%. <laughs> I think what we can say is, on average, Zen 3 seems to be better than the i9, but... It's on average. There are plenty of scenes where it loses. That and um, the seven thousand series sixteen core is is certainly at least like twenty percent. Uh, yeah, faster. at a minimum. Yeah, the fifteen percent thing is the biggest low ball I've ever seen in my life, based on the benchmark they showed. Yeah, um, which I do think needs to be addressed. Like I think you do say this uh, in your write up. The way they say it's 31% faster is they if you set the, the it finishes rendering the uh their scene that they showed in 69% of the time that the Intel one does so that's why they say 31% faster then the 46% number comes if you wanted to phrase it as Intel is 46% slower than the uh AMD uh CPU Right, which Graymon55, uh, links in the description that links to me, like referencing, oh, and his original tweet as well. Um, notice this in the footnotes. And if you do the math, and I double-checked this, and I had two contributors double-check it for me, because I was just like, I just want to make sure I'm not crazy, because this is a really weird thing AMD did. It's weird. Like, AMD completed the task in, and you have to be careful how you say this, 31% less time. Now, if yeah. you think about what that means, and I and I and this is how I like to understand it, what AMD did is render out if you have one hundred percent of a frame right being rendered, which is what they do. They render like a picture that has lighting and blah blah blah. If you do that, AMD rendered 0.49 percent of the picture every second. Intel did like 0.34 percent mm -hmm. of the picture every second. So think about what that means. AMD is rendering 50% more of the picture per second than Intel. So AMD was not 31% faster. By their own numbers, they did it in 31% less time. They were almost 50% faster, meaning at a minimum, it would be shocking if they showed this and then the average multi-threading was below 20%, and it could be 30% or more, but... It's one, and I said this on Twitter, what we know is it's just one benchmark that they showed, and it won by 46%. I think the thing with this is, though, the way they said it isn't incorrect. They're just framing Intel as 100% in the benchmark. And that, your, in Greymon's reading, 
is framing it as AMD is set as 100% in the benchmark. Um, both are correct. I think you would just want to phrase it if you phrase it with a 46% number. I think you would want to say Intel renders 46% slower rather than AMD was 31% faster. Both are correct. I think AMD could have framed it as look making themselves look better, but I don't think I don't think what they said is necessarily incorrect. I just think some people view it as incorrect for some reason. I do think it's weird though that they worked backwards and said faster. Or so like I would why wouldn't they say it rendered 31% slower? Yeah, that's I mean, the correct way to say it. I actually do kind of literally think they said it wrong. <laughs> I, it's because it was 31 per, I, I think the most yeah, correct here's, thing you here's would my argument. say is for alder lake to catch up does it not have to be 46 percent faster probably yes so then is but, amd 31 percent faster <laughs> the way you would probably most accurate way to phrase it is it rendered in 69 percent of the time yes or something like that yeah <laughs> right that that would have been the correct way to phrase Wait, how it, they were trying to show it because I, I would agree the way they phrased it is somewhat ambiguous, which I don't like ambiguity, but tech companies sometimes like to frame their arguments in ambiguity for some reason. So Right. And I mean, I just need to point out how bizarre this is. They said five gigahertz or faster clock speeds and then showed not just five gigahertz, but easily hitting five gigahertz. That is so weird. Yeah. You on a previous slide say... And again, they said above five gigahertz max. It's not like they said a, the, they said max turbo is above five gigahertz and then showed it 10% above that. Like, why didn't you say max boost is above 5.5? Because it is. It's 5.52. Didn't I even have trouble hitting that and actually staying at 5.52 for a few seconds straight before they cut away the feed? <sighs> I really don't know. Like, the only thing I can think is some models are not going to hit those uh, boost speeds and some are only going to boost to like 5.1 gigahertz although this is the 16 core model so you would assume the lower skus would be able like the 8 core would be able to hit that as well but i i, I but remember they're knows? using the same die so they could just bin it to the worst one you know yeah that's true it, like who knows it's i agree a uh, way bigger slam dunk would be 16 framing this as 16 cores 5.5 gigahertz or something but Right, and so this is where I start to feel like I'm crazy here. It just seems, am I crazy? It seems like AMD's just downplaying it left and right in this presentation. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's, I, I, I don't know why, maybe there's some, no, because they're showing it. I, I, I really don't know why they would be downplaying uh, some of their numbers, because Clearly, at least from the clock perspective, if anything, they're downplaying what they're able to achieve. Well, I mean, all I can say is, and I was actually shocked at how many people said this, AMD never downplays numbers ahead of time. I'm like, what? Zen 1 was claimed to be 40% higher IPC. It ended up being 52%. Zen 2, look it up, because it is funny to go look up and remind yourself. There were like three months where they were launching the 59... I mean, the 3900X, and they never showed the 16 core. And there were articles breaking down, like, why every leaker who said 16 cores was coming was obviously going to be wrong the whole time and gloating. And then they launched the 16 core. 
this is literally what AMD does time after time. When they showed Navi 21, it was a lower clock 6800 XT. The actual thing they had was 15% faster. This is like, it's more common than not they downplay things. Yeah, I mean, which I guess the reason, uh, the only reason I could think that they would do that is to make themselves appear less <laughs> in a less good place uh, against their competitors. Although, I don't know if that's just like consumer tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. You know what I mean? But again, they've done it multiple times. <laughs> they have. No, and, I, I'm not saying they haven't downplayed their performance multiple times. But but I want to be clear why, because, again, I found this shocking, because this is one of those things, to me, is, like, obvious. Why would they do this? They haven't finalized the SKU list yet. They don't know what clock speeds all of them will hit. They just know they'll have at least some, at least at 5.5 gigahertz. They don't know how much of the lineup will be. And this lineup is clearly dependent on clock speeds more than any of the previous ones they've done. Because of that, I really feel like until you know the final clocks exactly, why say it at all? I think that's yeah. honestly why they showed off the 6800 XT, and that was even downclocked by 5%, because they weren't sure what the clock speeds would get to. So they were like, well, let's show a sample that's the worst-case scenario of what we're going to launch. You know, We know it's going to be higher, but if we don't know how much higher it's going to be, we should just do the worst-case scenario. right? And I feel like that's what they're doing again, and this is a pattern. They do this all the time. Yeah, and maybe uh, they think that they can, like, temper negative perceptions by, like, saying, and remember, this is an engineering sample or something like that. Well, yeah, and I think that there is something to that as well, because I I've seen a lot of people say in the comments, you said it was going to have 40% higher IPC, and I said, I sure as shit never said that. <laughs> I said 15 to 24% higher, which I do want to be very clear about that. I would be more surprised if Zen 4 hit, like, 16% higher IPC than if it was, like, 8%, right? I do believe my IPC numbers were off, but I didn't say 40%, guys. And yeah. the clock speeds actually do seem to be possibly even higher than I thought, and I do want to be very clear about that. I wasn't kidding. I said what I, – I, I'm trying to remember. It was, like – yeah, I said 8 to 14% higher clock speeds. What they showed off today, 5.52 divided by 4.9, I believe is like 13%. So it's like at the upper estimates of that. And we don't know if they have something faster than that. So it seems like the IPC is a bit below my IPC estimate, but the clock speed is maybe higher. So we're just going to have to see yeah. how that works out. But I find it hard to believe. I find it very hard to believe it's not above 15% by more than a couple percentage points. Really my feeling now, and I have talked to some people offline, including some of the sources that were telling me the estimate is lower, which is why my estimate, by the way, was 15 to 24, not for 30 to 40% like a lot of the other leaker channels. They're saying they still expect Zen 4 to do very well in single-threaded gaming against Raptor Lake and that AMD's probably sandbagging. So I don't know what the final conclusion is, but... I do suspect it's like 20% higher multi-threading, 25 to 35%. I'm Wait, what did I say? 20% higher single-threading, roughly. Yeah. 25 to 35% higher multi-threading. Because, and this is, again, even the people that tell me that it's probably not as high as some of the other estimates, they're like, AMD is confident that they're going to do well in single-threading against Raptor Lake, 
and that in multi-threading, it's iffy. So from that perspective, I find it hard to believe Raptor Lake isn't going to be at least an 8% higher single-threading, and I think it's probably above 10%. So I don't know. That's what that tells me, is that there's just something going on there. Yeah, and I think the other thing, and it's hard to draw any conclusion off of two benchmarks they showed, but mm -hmm. uh, I think it things are pointing to this is probably at the lower end of IPC uplifts we would have guessed, but the or would have predicted, but the um, it seems like they're a lot higher clocked than we all expected, also because I. I guess we'll see how it turns out. 5.5, I, I would guess, is probably going to be the end max clock, but I can see 5.6. Yeah, but I don't know. That's 200 megahertz higher than I was expecting, at least. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, was, I was expecting 5.3. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That was probably, I was kind of expecting 5.4, but it's above <laughs> that, you know, in an engineering sample. That's not even the final thing. Um, I guess I want to make one more point here, too, because I do think this is an important thing that people need to understand. Again, and I kind of touched on it, but why would AMD do this? Because if they have a generation highly dependent on clock speed, then think about it. They can't promise the single threading uplift for every SKU. It's not like Zen 3, where it's just like, hey, it's just always going to be about 20%, man. <laughs> mm -hmm. On this, I would suspect there's going to be like a I don't know what, what probably the 7700X eight core. And there's a good chance that one mm, hits 5.4 gigahertz. And so, you know, with IPC and, or maybe even less could be 5.2, you know, or what about the six core or the disabled six core, you know, or like the non X six core. Yeah. Maybe clock speeds aren't 13, 15, 16% higher. Maybe they're just 9% higher. And then whatever the IPC is, let's say nine, 10%. Oh, well, then they can't promise more than 15. And so I think yeah. that's what they're saying is if you go from Zen 3 to Zen 4, minimum you get 15% higher, but there's going to be higher bend, clearly highly clocked models that are probably going to push that up another 5%, 10%. Yeah. And the boost clocks all core are clearly insane. Like clearly like this thing is pushing the all core. Well, they already showed it above 5 gigahertz. And I, I don't know. I, I, I honestly think we could see all core boost clocks 5.2 gigahertz or higher. And I think people, again, people really are missing this. Yes, I know on Zen 3, one core can go to 4.9, and two cores can go to like 4.8, four cores being used at once, you know, go to 4.6, 4.7 or something. But if you're loading up all 16 cores of a 5950X, it's very rare for that to go above like 4.4 gigahertz without overclocking. Mm -hmm. So 4.4 to 5, I mean, that's like a 20% yeah. all-core clock speed increase. That's kind of unprecedented gen over gen. Yeah, and once again, like it just seems like this generation is going to rely a lot more on uh, clock speed uplift than IPC. And yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's kind of unfortunate if like the eight core, the seventy seven hundred XT only it's like you said, like five point two, which that's just once again a number that's being thrown out, not a confirmed thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that might mean that 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 gen over gen upgrade is only like fifteen percent stronger, while the top end might be thirty. Yeah, and, and that's because this is a more traditional segmentation by clock speed than we've seen for a while from AMD. So that, I think, is pretty clearly what's going on here. And I do want to point out one more thing about that all-core thing. Games use more than one core, guys. So if 
I, I wonder how much of the gaming performance thing against Raptor Lake is because games don't just use, I mean, they really don't just use one core anymore. Like, yeah. and if all core Raptor Lake is like 5.2 gigahertz, but AMD can get one in there that's getting at least eight of the cores, you know, there's only eight big cores in Raptor Lake, guys. So if a, and a lot of games benefit from going from six to eight cores, maybe AMD thinks if maybe they won't push all 16 cores, right, to 5.5, but maybe they can push eight of them. If they can mm-hmm. do that, that can make up for like a slight loss in literally single threaded. I think this is, there's no way around it. This is going to be a very competitive generation with each other. Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I think the writing for that's been on the wall for like, for a while, like since rumors about how strong Alder Lake would be have been around. Right. And, and Raptor like a year ago. Yeah. Which I do want to be clear about that too. There were some people saying, I promised Zen 4 is going to blow Raptor Lake out of the water. You can watch my Raptor Lake leaks if you think that. I said, when I look at Raptor Lake, I think there's a decent chance Intel could actually win. You know? Yeah. And, you know, at first it was like, I think Zen 4, probably, but it's always been a probably win. Then I saw Raptor Lake and I was like 50 50. Then I got more Zen 4 info, the insane clock speeds, which are true, guys. And uh, I was like, oh, maybe it is Zen 4. But then I see the IPC is lower than expected. And I go, well, I'm kind of back to 50-50. I honestly think, depending on what you're going to do, um, you're just going to see them both claim victories all over the place. I honest, I think or, it's very clear they're both going to exceed at different things. Yeah, or you might have a situation next gen where uh, Zen 4, uh, the 7950X is technically the game that has the gaming crown, but the... Uh, what would it be called? The i7 12, the, the i7 13,900. Or, or the i7 13,700K gets functionally equivalent performance for like 300 less dollars or something. Right. And that's where it's all going to come down to where does AMD price everything? They've already launched the 5700X, which is just in 5800X that they're selling for $300. <laughs> so if they put a 7700X at $300, I mean, I think they're going to have to to combat the six plus eight i5 and depending on what that clock's at that would be oh uh, that might be the uh killer cpu to get mm-hmm. yeah i mean i guess the only i'm trying to because there actually is a couple other things i did ask a contact too about this what about vcash and he's like it's coming and i'm like well yeah i've, I've leaked to genoa x and then adored leaked it a day after too so genoa x is coming i asked when do you think they could get vcash zen 4 out and i got a couple people saying I mean, look, it's coming, and there's no reason they couldn't get it out at least quarter one next year if they really win for it. So I guess we'll have to see that as well. And I do, I don't think they could get it out right away, but I do wonder if what AMD could do, maybe, is launch almost like what they did with Zen 2. They launch end of summer, early fall with a, which they already said fall, so let's say early fall. With like the, what is it, the 7600X, 7700X, and 7900X. And then they just wait, and there's a 7800X 3D and 7950X 3D they launch in December. Because people forget, I got my 3950X the week it came out. I believe that was end of November. So there's no reason they might not save that 16 and 8 core for the end with Vcash. And if AMD can do that, I'd recommend they do. Because again, I'm not saying Raptor Lake will win, but it could, guys. And if AMD added Vcash, I think it's just a complete slam dunk. 
I, I think that also needs to be assuming they're able to achieve roughly equivalent clock speeds with that vcache editor it's not hampered too much but the clock speeds aren't hampered too much by vcache because i think the what the one thing you have to mm. look at with a x3d i mean the 5800 x3d is it's technically better in gaming but it isn't it's not an obviously better cpu than the 5800x no it would be interesting to see if what they do is like three hundred dollars 7700 x8 core you know 350 379 uh you get the 7800x and then for like 450 7800 x3d if they still segment them as two different skus purposefully for that reason mm-hmm. and uh hopefully want like they can achieve higher clock speeds that uh are high clock speeds still with the cache on it um all right then so i guess just the last thing i want to say though i do feel like i have to say this i saw of course and it is funny because it just becomes noise at this point dan if you look at the comments every now and then when you're curious i believe it doesn't matter what presentation there are how many things we get right there's always people saying everything was wrong like literally Uh, i've seen people post a comment you got everything wrong before the presentation was over and then they deleted it (laughs) awesome so it it clearly doesn't matter to some people, but I do want to say this. Let's let's go down the roll call here of what Raptor uh, like of what Zen <laughs> for Raphael is. Sixteen cores. What I said. Uh, everything about the chipset. What I said. Up to f- create fifteen percent higher clock speeds, or what did I say? Eight to or it's like eight to fourteen percent, literally on the money. What I said. IPC half wrong. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Like if you consider that a complete failure that like one thing out of like five bullet points wasn't completely right. I don't have to tell you guys I'm not perfect. Yeah. Furthermore, um, I saw some people saying this is the death of Moore's Law is dead. Hundreds of subscribers gained this uh, day, guys. And this is a substantially above average upvoted video, like 98%. So <laughs> you're wrong, actually. We're just, there's people who actually do read what I say and they were impressed uh, to the haters. Look, I'm not a morning person. <laughs> My dog, Reese can testify to how hard it is to get me up some days. But at the same time, I'm also not 24 years old anymore. I can't just shotgun two whole pots of coffee during a work day and not have my gut get revenge on me eventually. So what is someone like me supposed to do? Well, I can use Magic Mind. Today's content is sponsored by Magic Mind. Magic Mind is a natural little elixir that utilizes matcha, adaptogens, nootropics, honey, and other herbal supplements to do what coffee does, and so much more. It boosts your energy, boosts your memory, boosts your mood, and increases your focus while decreasing inflammation and boosting immunity. Magic Mind can be taken with your morning cup of coffee or with your post-lunch cup as well, just so at the very least, you only need a couple of cups of caffeine a day to feel awake for many hours and not a whole pot. Trust me, I'm not a morning person and I do work long hours most days. This was a decent alternative that really did work and as opposed to drinking far too much caffeine and you should try it yourself. In fact, if you order within the next 10 days at magicmind.co slash broken silicon, you can get 40% off your subscription. Just use the code broken silicon. This really does help the channel and it helps you stay focused. Help your focus in a healthy way by buying Magic Mind today. All right. QH Freddy writes in, 
How much more do you think AMD could sandbag their numbers? How much is left in the tank? Do you think they sandbagged so hard they practically said Zen 4 equals Zen 3? I was making fun of that the day before with the leaked slides. I, I, I thought it was hilarious. They said five gigahertz or higher max boost. Rembrandt hits five gigahertz now. Like, duh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would argue they kind of did say it's Zen 3 <laughs> in that one slide. It was weird. Yeah, that that slide in particular is a a weird outlier slide that I don't even maybe shouldn't have been included in the presentation like at all or <laughs> been completely reworked. I, I did hear a few people say, I think interns got fired today because it just doesn't even make sense what they showed. The wording on one benchmark was weird. They said above five gigahertz and then showed 5.5. Like, that's so weird. Why wouldn't you say 5.5 gigahertz or higher? Well, what's that about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I they might as well have just said, uh, then four equals more, question mark. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what they said. Um, but in, to actually answer QH Freddy's question, how much is left in the tank? I don't think we don't have a single... We don't have... We don't know. I, I think I would be... I would be shocked if single threading hit 30% even in like gaming, which is worth pointing out that like in terms of integer IPC, it's definitely not what I said. But we don't know what they've done with latency, doubling L2 cache, how that could affect gaming performance. If you look at the 5800X3D, arguably it doesn't have higher IPC than the 5800X, and yet it games 10 to 20% better. So yeah, I think that's worth pointing out. Um, but I, I think they probably have five to ten percent more left four to eight percent more left in the tank uh, so i th i think but I, it's hard for me to say because that multi-threading benchmark could be it was just one scene a slam dunk i don't know yeah i would say there's at least five percent more in the tank overall i guess um brett summers writes in hello tom and dan do you think we will see actual low-end ryzen parts for zen 4 not really. <laughs> I think a Zen 4 quad core at 5 gigahertz or higher would absolutely be a gaming beast, just like how the i3-12100 is able to essentially be up there with the six cores and eight cores of yesteryear in gaming. Um, I don't think so, man. I think they're just too expensive. I think you're going to see Rembrandt down there or something else. I, I just, and I don't think any of the yields need to get disabled to four cores. Uh, there might be one, but they don't need to. Yeah, I... To an extent, I wonder if, like, if they want to service the low end, if it would just be something like our, I think it's our next story or something like that, where they're like, yeah, here's a four core laptop CPU repurposed for <laughs> desktop, which if you could sell that for a hundred bucks or 130 bucks, that's something, I suppose. Which I did talk to a contact at AMD and I was told that Van Gogh's memory controller really wouldn't work well with DDR5 mm. if it could run it at all. Oh, that, that, that's true. But, that's a massive issue. <laughs> but Mendocino, which we'll get to in a second, that one was shown off in 6 nanometer. And I'm told weirdly vaguely, but this often happens with a lot of AMD contacts who don't want to tell you anything, really, besides yeses and nos every now and then. He goes, it's an offshoot, probably. Not exactly the same. So I don't know if they beefed up the memory controller to work on desktop. I would kind of hope they do. Wait, an offshoot of what? Uh, Van Gogh. Uh, Mendo oh, okay. Mendocino. Hope I'm saying that right. God knows someone will tell me I'm not. Um, but uh, so I don't know. But what I know is Van Gogh wouldn't really work on desktop. So I don't know. I, I think mm -hmm. you're going to see Rembrandt. And frankly, if I was AMD, 
I don't know how many six cores they need to supply to laptop. I know a lot of um, OEMs want the six cores, even though AMD doesn't need to almost make any of them because their yields are so good. But I would wonder if they would almost just, <laughs> for like the R5s and R3s, a six core Rembrandt APU. They just take the worst laptop yields and that's that's what goes to desktop and save mm-hmm. the best bend ones for a laptop. That make a ton of sense to me. Um, yeah. so I, I suspect that's what they'll do, but I can't, now, I don't I don't think there's going to be a lot of quad-core Zen 4s. I don't think. It'd be cool, but honestly, if they were going to do that, I almost wonder what the cost would be just taping out a smaller CCD or something. Mm-hmm. SNES Chalmers writes in, he says, Hello, Tom and Dan. It's been many years since the last proper TikTok CPU cycle from Intel. Broadwell was the tick to the 14 nanometer process, and Skylake was the talk to the Skylake core. Then nothing but little tweaks for four more generations until another talk finally with Cypress Cove and Rocket Lake. Only Alder Lake has launched since then, which was both a new node and architecture. My understanding of Raptor Cove is that it's more like a tweak of Golden Cove, right? And then a new architecture is coming with Meteor Lake for a new arc and process again. Do you think it's possible Intel could return to their old habits? Is that cycle a vestige of the dark ages of Sandy Bridge stagnation and not coming back? Um, well, I think, honestly, architectures are getting complicated enough that just thinking them in terms of TikTok doesn't necessarily work anymore. They're all a bunch of different IP blocks. I mean, look at AMD's APUs. We're about to talk about one that was announced at Computex. They've got Zen 2 with RDNA 2, Zen 3 with... I mean, they've got all types of different stuff going on in their SOCs. And I don't know how much you think of it as a TikTok anymore. I think it's obvious we're back to competition, though, where Raptor, where they're going tweak, new, tweak, new, and Zen 4 is a tweak, but on a new node, you know? So I think yeah. we're kind of going back to that, but I don't think it's literally what it is before because it's just so much more complicated now. That, and I just think from a branding perspective at this point, I don't think you can go back to the TikTok marketing because uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a bit, I think it would be a bit, it, it harkens back to an embarrassing time, I would say, because I think they kept going with that for a <laughs> little bit too long. They always successfully did it like a few times. That was I so think they funny did successfully, they successfully did it like tw- twice, right? I, I maybe, think th- so. maybe three times. But then they kept going with it for a while, and I didn't they add like a TikTok toe or whatever the hell at some point? Yeah, it was like tick. oh, t- they changed it to tick process optimization, and then back to process. So yeah, they tried to subtly went away from that over time. Which, when you're stagnating for five years, uh, I think the clock analogy is a little funny. <laughs> but. Uh, I know. They're like, and really, it's not every year. It's every two years, and one of them's an optimization. I'm like, dude, this <laughs> and one is of them gotta... doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, and one of them you can ignore. Let us move on to story number two. AMD reveals Mendocino Zen 2 APU with RDNA 2 graphics. Quoting from Tom's Hardware, AMD has announced Mendocino today, a new breed of mobile APUs that aims to redefine the everyday laptop. While Ryzen 6000, in parentheses Rembrandt, targets premium notebooks, Mendocino caters to mainstream laptops that compete in the $400 to $700 price range. Rembrandt brings AMD Zen 3 Plus 
Wait, brings Amy's yeah, Rembrandt brings Amy's Zen 3 Plus course and RDA2 graphics into a single package with Mendo Chino, however. The chip maker opted to roll with Zen 2 microarchitecture again, but retain an RDNA2 solution. It's the exact blueprint that AMD used for Van Gogh, from which Aerith, the name of when you put Van Gogh in Steam Deck, is derived. <laughs> Therefore, Mendocino seems like an offshoot of Van Gogh again, but on a more recent process node. Mendocino also adds access to LPDDR5 memory, although AMD did not disclose the nature of the memory bus. Again, making me wonder, I don't even know if they can bring this to desktop. Um, one of Mendocino's strong suits is battery life, though. AMD estimates a minimum of 10 hours of battery life based on mixed usage. So, yeah, I think this is a good option for below Rembrandt. This is perfect because Rembrandt never needs to be disabled to quad cores, ever. <laughs> their their yields are just too good, basically. It'd be like half a percent, and oh. like at that point, what else is wrong with it? Yeah, I mean, I think that gets back to like what we were talking about in the previous story, where I just don't think their yields are at a point where disabling anything they're pretty any eight core ccd does not need to be disabled to four cores ever mm -hmm. yeah i mean again you almost wonder how much of the zen 4 lineup may change just based on clock speed but we've already kind of said that yeah 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 um but one thing i want to say is and i did have a contributor ask is this thing coming out instead of monet and i'm like maybe i mean i've never seen any evidence monet left the design phase to be honest i think that may have been on some old roadmap and I haven't heard any updates from it. What was Monet supposed to be again? I, I'm Global Foundry's new, true, not 12 nanometer plus that uh, 590 used, but like an even better 12 nanometer, really kind of equivalent to probably Samsung 10 nanometer node, and that it would be four Zen 3 cores backported with RDNA 2 graphics, probably like four compute units. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this sounds like. I don't think both of these need to exist. Those need to exist at the same time. No, and honestly, I think about Monet and I go, I mean, when is it coming out? This is coming out now and it's even cheaper? That doesn't really make that much sense to me. I mean, yeah. I, I, I honestly am guessing that thing was canceled. I, I never had that firm of info on it. I don't know that it ever got that far. Even the early info was like weirdly in the future. Yeah, that sounds like it's one of those code names that got leaked, and then a bunch of people got excited about it, even though it was. You, you know, I never... will say before this, when it was first being talked about, that was back when AMD had a much more aggressive wafer agreement with Global Foundries. It's entirely conceivable that oh, as they buy true. up and get better in the favor of TSMC, they're like, "We're not using Global Foundries for this." <laughs> eh, yeah, that's a really good point. As for everything else, I don't know that I have that much to say. I mean, it's going to use very little energy. Uh, I, re I think it's highly likely it's a tweaked version of Van Gogh, maybe with a I mean, couple things added. It sounds like Van Gogh right. <laughs> on 6 nanometer. Right. And so, I yeah, this is going to be like a 5 to 15 watt APU quad core. They And again, for those who wonder, they're using Zen 2. Because when you have a single CCX quad-core Zen 2, its performance is actually pretty good, and it takes up decently less space than Zen 3. Zen 2 is a great thing to keep around for cheap, low-power things. Like, mm -hmm. when you don't need more than eight threads to power probably eight compute units, which you don't. So, the only other thing I will say is I looked up Van Gogh's die size, and I don't know how confirmed this is, but Patrick sure leaked it, and he's usually pretty reliable. I consider him one of those people that you can rely on. And he said it's like 161 millimeter squared. Okay. Well, that's bigger than Saison. So I don't know how cheap these laptops are going to be over those six core Saison laptops. I don't, mm. 
I guess, again, it, like, what do you define as a cheap laptop? Well, all right, 500 bucks to 700, <laughs> but this is on seven nan, on six nan, this isn't going to be any cheaper to make than Saison. So, and TSMC hasn't lowered costs on that note. They've upped it actually. So, <laughs> I don't see this yeah. bringing steam, overclocked Steam Deck performance to $500 laptops easily. I, I don't no. know. From like a gaming hardware perspective, there's not too much to say about this. It's I think it's going to go into like you know what like those Asus ZenBook style, maybe even a tier Mm -hmm. below those laptops that are good laptops, but Mm -hmm. they're not meant. They're meant for I don't know writing notes in class or something. Yeah, and again, it, or streaming. I'm pretty sure it's just eight compute units. So if it's eight compute units, that would put it at the performance of an MX at decent clock speeds. I think you're probably looking. Yeah, if they got it to decent clock speeds, I think you're looking at something that's probably like I don't know MX three fifty performance to four fifty. And it's like so. I guess they could put this in those books, the Zen books you're saying that sometimes come with MX graphics. But this won't. This will probably be about half as strong or maybe two-thirds as strong as an MX570. So I don't know. It really is for the cheaper ones. Yeah, it's probably more, even more for just netbooks, too. But though that that ZenBook could game on battery much more easily with this, and it would probably just have a decently longer battery life, and you have more room to put in a bigger battery because you don't have a graphics card, even if it's a small graphics card mm-hmm. in there. So it is worth pointing out, though, that even if this was the performance of an MX450, Right, but it's also now using far less energy, and it's better overall. So it's yeah, a, it's true. a good product, and um, it's it's probably needed, even if it's the same price as Saison, because they don't need to disable Saison. What they need is a quad core. So if it's the same die size, that makes sense, especially when Rembrandt laptops are all over a thousand dollars, as far as I can tell. And I don't expect Phoenix to be in cheaper ones than that. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. Beefish thirty six writes in. And he says, it appears we're starting to get leaks about Phoenix. At least I just saw Rogue Game recently say that the 3060 is 60 is a 3060-60 watt. What are you hearing about iGPU performance? Will AMD actually be able to supply them in volume? What I would say about iGPU performance is don't expect anything twice as good as a 1050 Ti, which is what Rembrandt has. It loses to a 1650 Max-Q by like 10 to 20%. That's a desktop 1050 Ti. Yeah. So you're looking at <laughs> 1660 performance, maybe. Uh, and I, I've already pointed out B Fish on Twitter, and, I, and this is public benchmarks that I found. It was not easy to find, but the lowest power 3060 I could find benchmarks. And I asked Jared Tech about this, who's coming on again soon. The lowest he could find is 75 watt or 70 watt, and it would sometimes use up to 80 watts with Optimus. I found one laptop on Notebook Check that was limited to 65 watts, and it performed like a 90 watt 1660 Ti laptop, not 1660 yeah. Ti desktop. So I have actually a huge bone to pick here with saying 60 watt 3060 because a 60 watt 3060 isn't a fucking 3060. Well, I mean, if you want to extrapolate that out further, like 3060 desktop is almost the 3070 really tom so basically we're oh, at like 30, almost 80 a 3080 at this point yeah like <laughs> seriously guys i couldn't find a limited to 60 watt 3060 i found a 65 watt one that was trading blows with a 90 watt 90 watt laptop 1660 ti 
at even lower power usage, I think you're looking at like laptop 1660 or even overclocked laptop 1650 Ti performance. Can I believe that's how good Phoenix is? Yeah, but that's not triple the performance. That's about maybe up to double. So is that something that's going to replace your desktop card? No, it's probably not even better than a 6500 XT. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's what you're looking at maybe in laptop. Um, and again, guys, it's on five nanometer. It's die size is going to be not half as big as Rembrandt. I think maybe smaller, but not much or like not like more than 10, 20% or something. If that happens, the wafer cost is 80% more. It's going to cost 80% more. It'll, it'll cost at least 50% more to make, I think, than Rembrandt. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Rembrandt laptops are only in $1,000 and up. So this isn't going to be some budget savior, I don't think. This is truly for like a service book. Or again, it's probably going to be in like mid-range gaming laptops that are nowadays, it seems, always over $1,200. Yeah. All right, let's move on then to story number three. X670E, X670, B650, Motherboard's Detail by AMD. It's actually sent an interesting article from one of my sources that he thought did a good job of explaining everything. So I'm going to read this from Angstronomics. It's a word we're going to see a lot from Intel soon, Angstrom. AMD's upcoming client desktop platform for the DDR5 era was designed from the outset to rely entirely on chipset designed and made by a third-party supplier. This differs from the previous generation of high-end X570 chipsets from 2019 on the AM4 platform, where AMD repurposed their client iodide chiplet repackaged for use as the aforementioned glorified PCIe MUX. AM5 returns to an exclusively third-party made solution, as was the case with the AM4 platform in 2016 with the original launch made by Asmedia. The AMD 600 series chipset for AM5 are known as Promontory 21 or Prom 21 and come in three configurations. A low-end one, presumably A620, with a single de-featured Prom 21. Mid-range, known as B650, with a single Prom 21. And then high-end, known as X670 or the X670E, that will use dual Prom 21 chipsets in the motherboard. Going back to what QH Freddy said, one tape out. <laughs> Um, a yeah. single PROM21 chipset, B650, comes with maximum power of 7 watts. I think this is worth pointing out, by the way, Dan, because I believe that's like substantially lower than the chipset used on X570 when it first came out. And it has one PCIe 4.0 times 4 uplink to host, two PCIe 4.0 times 4 downlink to controllers, so eight lanes total, four PCIe 3.0 times 1 slash SATA 3, 6 gigabyte flexible ports. You use them for either PCIe 3.0, meaning if you don't use four SATA drives, you can actually add an extra PCIe 3.0 NVMe drive. Uh, four lanes of PCIe or two lanes. Yeah, so it shows all the different things you can use it for. Six USB 3.2 Gen 2, 10 gigabit per second ports. Two of the ports can be fused to form one USB 3.2 Gen 2 times two 20 gigabit per second port with four remaining 10 gigabit per second USB ports and up to six additional USB 2.0 ports. Ah, I got to have that USB 2.0 still. For the A-Class chipset, one PCIe 4.0 times 4 downlink is disabled, and for a typical motherboard with four SATA ports, B650 can support one PCIe 4.0 M.2, with the A-Class chipset support none. The remaining PCIe 4.0 YLANs are used for Wi-Fi, 2.5G Ethernet, and PCIe times one expansion slots. Additionally, there is plenty of I.O. directly from the CPU, a PCIe times 16 5.0 slot that can be bifurcated into two times eight slots, of course, for the GPUs. One PCIe times four slot, 
for an M.2 NVMe SSD, one PCIe times 4 link for discrete USB 4, which people, it can have USB 4, it just needs something else with it, and one PCIe 4.0 times 4 for chipset downlink, three combo USB-C ports supporting USB 3.2 10 gigabit and DisplayPort 2.1, which is interesting, DisplayPort 2.0 finally. And one additional dedicated display output that can be used for DisplayPort 2.1 or HDMI 2.1 with a fixed rate. One USB 2 Gen 2 10 gigabit per second ports for port for BIOS flash compatibility. And by the way, I think I did see they are doubling the amount of flash storage on the motherboard again. So finally, you don't have to have these bizarre situation where different BIOS types support different CPUs as they support it long term. One USB 2.0 port with secure BIOS support for Windows Hello capability. And uh, yeah, the X670E branded motherboards will require the primary PCIe and M.2 slot support PCIe 5.0 link rate. The chipset itself is identical to X670, but they do not enforce using the highest end parts to get to the highest I.O. Uh, anyways, and I did ask one of my contacts what this really means, and he says, yeah, seven NVMEs if you want to. You like, And um, probably... That's... That will be on 670E, correct? Yep. Or, okay. or 670, but or maybe 60, okay. lower supported on 670E. Yeah, meaning probably, I believe it, if I'm reading this correctly, because I wasn't sure and I leaked that, I said at least one 5.0 M.2. I think you can have two 5.0 M.2s, four 4.0 M.2s, and then if you don't use SATA, one 3.0 NVMe. So... I don't know. Or I think I actually might even be, I might be off by one of those too. So I don't know. They're basically doubling the amount of NVMe from X570 and more USB yeah. as well. I mean, I mean, it looks like they're adding, I mean, what is it? The, the, what does the um, max number of the CPUs themselves have what? 24 uh, PCIe lanes, correct? And then I believe so. This is a somewhat to me, confusing mishmash of different. Some of my of contacts were annoyed too, are, are because confused too. By the way, I had to ask them several times yeah. to make sure. Because I, I was a bit confused by this. Does the uh, lowest chipset not have PCIe 4.0 support for its uh, graphics mm. cards or something like that? The A620. Yeah. They haven't announced it yet, so I'm not 100% sure. Okay. But if they want to, they might disable it, and that's something you see on low-end Intel and AMD boards to this day. Yeah, I mean, so at the end of the day, then for their higher end, there's a lot of PCIe 5.0 lanes that will allow you to power a pseudo HEDT uh, amount of uh, NVMe drives, I would say. Or I, yeah. I agree. And I felt like as someone who has an X570 motherboard and, you know, it's a DTX one that comes with a sound card that uses some of the PCIe slots. But let's be clear about what that means. I have a sound card, a graphics card. And then I have two SATA drives in RAID for storing some data faster than normal. Two more SATA SSDs. I, yeah, I'm trying to remember correctly, make sure it's right. A PCIe 4.0 NVMe for my main boot drive. And I've also sectioned off part of it for storing some stuff. And then another one from an old broken HP laptop, PCIe 3, like mid-range PCIe 3.0, 512 gigabyte SSD. So I have like four SSDs in my system, I think sound card and a graphics card that's a lot it's not yeah. a small amount but i always felt like right now i think i've got room for like maybe one more sata or something and one like i'm basically almost out i i, I want to say i i over said how many satas i have like i have room for one more sata ad or something and so i'm still okay mm-hmm but it could have more you know and i feel like what they're doing here is it seems like 
basically doubling the IO. Not really more SATA, but who cares about SATA? Yep, four in case you need it. Um, uh, this is yeah. this is a lot. This is enough that I don't think the not the low end HEDT people I think should be happy with this. Yeah, and I, I think something like this on the market is a great idea. It is great just because you know we've moved to sixteen cores as uh, on mainstream platforms. What like three? Is it three years ago now? Something like mm-hmm. that. And sixteen cores uh, f- five years ago was HEDT. I mean, <laughs> this is. I, I think, um, and I don't think most people need more than 16 cores as it stands, so having an option like this, I think, is great. Yeah, and I, I, I think we need to be clear about a couple of other things. It's actually in the wrap-up, but I'll say it now. I'm told AMD is briefing people behind the scenes about something called B650E, B650 Extreme. Mm-hmm. And there's really no reason physically B650 <laughs> couldn't support an M.2 5.0. So I think that's going to be meant for high-end ITX motherboards, which, again, if you think about it, it should still then support, if they have an extreme version of B650, at least, like, what, three NVMEs? Like, four mm-hmm. four SATAs, and this is basically what yeah. I have now for an ITX board. Enough. Well, yeah, that's, that's I, I, ITX is always high-end but less featured because it can't or have as many features. less amount of stuff. Yeah, because, because you physically can't put the same amount of stuff on one of those boards like itx is it's tiny <laughs> yeah so i don't know doubling x570 i feel like in this beats uh z690 by a little bit obviously having m.2 5.0 is a decent deal and i know some people will say well who cares about that and in the short term you're right i mean but i don't even frankly, think they really we... make them anymore <laughs> make them at all yet but but remember if you buy one of these motherboards it's conceivable you'll put zen 6 in this that's true. I will say though, as it stands right now, like I don't think Windows or or the other hardware in your system is really even fully capable of utilizing an NVMe drive that fast. But you know, it's there for, like you said, if you if you get Zen five or Zen six in the future. Mm-hmm. And and again, there's some people that are like, oh, why are they segmenting extreme? I kind of think it's smart. I think actually Z690 was annoying how it was like there were DDR5 motherboards with only 4.0. I have a DDR4 motherboard that has PCIe 5.0, but I really had to check. It'd be nice to know if you get an extreme, you have everything. Yeah, and having that, I don't know, just mark of approval, like this is the most featured mm-hmm. chipset. Eh, that's There's something to that that makes purchasing easier, I would say. And they can probably save some money, especially if it's a micro ATX board, since it has two chipsets. By having half of the MVME drives just be PCIe 3.0, which I'm going to level with you guys, this is probably fine for most people. You probably have a boot drive, a fast games drive, and then a bunch of other drives that are fast enough anyways. So I, I think that's a decent option so that they don't have to all be like probably over 250 300 $400. It's like, yeah. there will be some cheaper micro ATX boards with more IO and blah, blah, blah. You know, but, you know, they won't all be the fastest because most people don't need that. So I think it's, I think honestly what they're doing is fine. Um, Bullethead writes in, hey, Tom and Dan, what do you think of AMD's strategy for rolling out PCIe 5.0 times 16 slots in AM5? Personally, well, I get that mainstream games don't necessarily need a mainstream B650 motherboard with it at this point. It seems like an odd choice in B650 is probably going to be supporting at least three generations of AM5 CPUs. Do you think that AMD might lock PCIe 5 
Time 16 behind the X number 70 chipset? Or could this just be a move to help motherboard makers save some money on the first AM5 platforms before bringing PCIe 5.0 to B750 to go with RDNA 3 and other PCIe 5.0 equipped devices? Um, well, I think that, like, like I've said, I think I, I've, I leaked B650E. And even if it doesn't come out right away, that's always there. And I, I just think it's about letting them make it cheaper because they want these to compete in price with the PCIe 4.0 Z690 boards, you know? Yeah. Yes, uh, B750, right? Yeah, we'll have PCIe 5.0 because I think that will just be the standard a year and a half from now. Yeah, we'll see. But I think it's yeah. entirely conceivable there will be some boards that won't because it does just cost more. But um, yeah, that's true. And but at the same time, I also have to say, I think I've seen some people say, "Oh, these are all going to cost six hundred dollars." I'd be surprised if they did. I think people are missing this. Did you like this article I just read from the this story? Seven watts. I think they had to have fans cooling like twenty watts or something. I believe on or more on the <laughs> on my X five seventy board, my launch one. So no, these there are things this is doing. That makes this cheaper. The one concern I've seen out there is that because it's two chipsets, they're going to have to work extra hard on the drivers. But there is a lot of saving in signals when you can put one of the chipsets closer to where some of the ports are here and where the others are there. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to do a good job with drivers. But if you do, it actually is going to cut down on some of the other costs. So I, I think, yes, X, <laughs> X670E is going to cost more than the average X570. Yeah, maybe more than the average Z690. But I don't think we should expect Threadripper motherboard pricing, guys. Mm -hmm. um, at least, surprise me. All right. Let us move on to story number four. On May, this is the Zen 4, Zen 5, and Zen 6 details leaked by Moore's Law's Dead. On May 12th, over a week before AMD's Computex, Moore's Law's had leaked a, load, a boatload of Zen 4 info. Here's what's worth mentioning that we haven't really already talked about still. Genoa is firmly launching in quarter four with 96 cores. So I do need to point this out. When I say blow Intel out of the water, I don't think Genoa is going to have any problem thrashing Sapphire Rapids and Emerald Rapids or Bergamoth uh, <laughs> Emerald Rapids. Um, 16 core Dragon Range and 8 core Phoenix launch quarter one 2023 for laptop. The first half of 2023 should see Storm Peak Threadripper Zen 4 launch. Zen 4C is likely mid-2023 in Bergamo, and Genoa X is also presumably mid or late 2023, with Raw File X likely launching much sooner than that, although we can't confirm it. Zen 5 is a bigger upgrade than Zen 4 as well, with Turing going up to at least 256 cores and a more aggressive redesign of the architecture than what Zen 4 is bringing. And Zen 6 Venice is another decent upgrade, not likely as massive as Zen 5, but probably more architectural changes than what Zen 4 brings over Zen 3. And uh, a big takeaway from that video was AMD is intending to slowly transition into becoming a premium brand. So yeah, we've already talked about the Zen 4 stuff from Computex. I mean, but of all these other things leaked uh, a week or over a week ago, any things that stood out to you, Dan? I mean, you know, like you said, uh, the core counts that are apparently coming are insane. And I guess, I guess it was bound to happen at some point, but it's funny to see CPUs reaching like 256 thread. I mean, not thread, 256 core count within the next couple of years now 
I don't know what implications that really has for me as a person that will never buy a 256 core CPU, or at least not one for the foreseeable future. But I don't know. It's kind of crazy how fast this market's moved, you know? Yeah, um, and, and and it really is for me Turin two fifty six cores that stand out. I mean, I know what Venice is. I know a few things about it. I even leaked some accelerators in Zen four Genoa that I know should at least, if they want it to be, be in Storm Peak Threadripper, which could do some kind of SSD loading acceleration. Not probably as good as what the PS five can do, but maybe similar. I've talked to some devs about this, and they all seem to think it sounds exactly like what the PS five is doing and such, but. At the end of the day, 96-core Genoa from 64-core Milan, then to 128-core, but weaker cores, depending on how you look at it, Bergamo. And then 256-core Zen 5. Wow. I just don't I don't see Intel catching up in server anytime soon. No, unless they are hiding something. <laughs> Which, yeah, hey, know. you know, I think Diamond, Diamond Rapids, I think, is going to be a big one. But it's just too early to say if it'll hold a candle to Turin or uh, Venice. So um, I'm Patty Case writes in though. And he says, I'm really interested to hear some more opinions on Bergamo versus Sierra Forest. Bergamo only having 30% more cores than the normal Zen 4 makes it sound like AMD is going to lose the space efficiency war versus Intel, who can fit nearly four times more equal. Well, they're definitely going to lose the space efficiency depending on how you think about it because it's of how many chiplets there are. Then again, I don't know how many chiplets are in Sierra 4, so I take it back immediately. Uh, can fit... Four times as many E cores than they can P cores. Is Zen 4 that much faster than Sierra Forest to be able to make up the difference? Or is Intel set to knock them out of the park? Guys, Bergamo launches mid next year. Sierra Forest is 2024, to my understanding. It'll be competing oh, so. with 256 core Turin. <laughs> or they'll be competing with in between those two because what mm -hmm. Turin, I would assume, comes out what later 2024. I, I, um, I don't have the notes next to me. Okay. I thought uh, it was I, end of 2024 or something. Okay. Or, I, I, that oh, wait. No, that, no, it would be, it would be by mid 2024. It probably be, it could be oh. next year. Cause right. Yeah. Cause we're on Zen 4 now. Sorry guys. Yeah. No, I mean, it'll definitely be out by the time Sierra Force is out. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Then they're competing with Turin. <laughs> yeah. So no, I, I don't think, uh, Turin's worried about Sierra Forest yet. Obviously it's early. We'll have to see how good Sierra Forest is. Let's say it's even 800 cores that are little. All right, well, that's fighting 512 Zen 5 threads. It's just it's just way too early to see how that matchup is going to be, let alone, again, you know, may, if Turin might launch by the end of next year. Well, okay, if that happens, who's to say Sierra Forest, based on Intel's delayed cadence from what they always say, isn't actually competing with Zen 6 Venice with, who knows, 384, 512 cores? It's just too early to say, but right now I do not see Sierra Forest as a murderer until we get a firm core count. Mm -hmm. And even then it's like, I don't know. Um, Spamtim Neil writes in, he says, given that AMD designed Zen 5 for N4P and N3 in the case of a delay with N3, probably, not 100%, but most likely it seems like that. Wouldn't it make sense for the lower end CPUs to use N4P and the higher end SKUs to use N3 if it isn't delayed significantly? Nope, because <laughs> it's one tape out then. Yeah. What I would say, though, Spamton, is if they've designed it for both, some cost has been spent on that then. It would make sense to make N4P APOs. Hmm. You know, but you see my point. I don't think they'd, I think they just want one chiplet they can mix and match with everything, probably. Yeah. 
Could be wrong. Maybe to help with availability. I guess that's the one wild card I'd say. Maybe what if what if TSM three three nanometer gets working well, but well in a kind of way that Tiger Lake did at first. And it's just like, oh, yeah, some of them clock to six gigahertz and have whatever, but half of the yields need the half the cores disabled. Then maybe you'd see N4P be used for some of them with it. But, you know, even then, I don't know, right? You'd almost wait for yields to get better. It's, it, you want to be able to mix and match. Mm-hmm. All right. Carbon Cry writes in, Hi, Tom. I've expected Bergamo and Zen 4C to be the start of a separate lineup of core count throughput focused designs. Similar to Intel's Forest's high core count server chips using Mont cores, Intel has, as usual, announced Forest way farther ahead than they probably should have. But they have confirmed multiple generations of Forest going forward. Can we really expect that a Zen that of a Zen C lineup moving forward? Will there be a follow-up to Bergamo using pair-down cores, or is Bergamo and Zen 4C really just a stopgap before they launch Turin, as you offhandedly mentioned in the Zen 4 to Zen 6 mega leak? Um, yeah, you know, I would say no more to confirm right now. You know, uh, uh, I think I've mentioned and looked, like, talked about the, like, overall separate roadmaps, including Vcash roadmaps, and after Zen 5, it's hard to say. I think there's probably some kind of Zen 5C, but I actually can't 100% firm it yet, confirm it yet. I think there probably is. I can't 100% confirm it. I know other people have said there is. Um, after that, maybe. I don't know. I, we'll have to see. I mean, I, all I, I can really add to that is it would surprise me a little bit if something like this gets thrown into one generation and then... They, it just gets discontinued. I mean, I'm sure it's being worked on right now uh, actively, and maybe it, they'll just decide that there's no reason to release it. But I think that's the only reason that Zen 4... I mean, you wouldn't see Zen 5C or something. Yeah, and I guess we'll also... It remains to be seen, like, how standardized the Forest lineup is from Intel. So they say they're going to make more Forest chips. Well, probably. Does that mean every year there's going to be a Rapids and a Forest? Not necessarily. They might like every mm-hmm. two or three generations launch that. Kind of what, what AMD's doing with Threadripper, it seems. <laughs> you know, <laughs> where they just skip it sometimes. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a Zen 4C, Zen 5C, no Zen 6C, then a Zen 7C. Or, who knows? Like, that's all I'm yeah. saying is I can't confirm 100%. There's one for literally every architecture. Yeah. Um. What is this? Amy Will Chief writes in, are, is Intel married to E-cores for the foreseeable future, or do you think they'll pivot to homogenous P-cores, which are more efficient in some ways, again, once they get power consumption under control? No, I mean, for the, you say foreseeable future. No. What happens in the distant future? I think it's more likely they just move to some entirely different multi-type of core architecture that combines and move like r- resources. But that's not E and P. Yeah, I mean, I think the future is probably a P... EE and accelerators or something. <laughs> yeah, and then maybe they had a mid-sized core. That's been happening in ARM. So, yeah. But for the foreseeable future, which is your question, no, they are definitely married to E cores. Um, but yeah, like we said, sometimes AMD skips thread rippers. Hopefully they went with this next one here for story for what could be a really cool one, I think in story number 5. Adora TV leaks AMD SP6 socket supporting Zen 4 and Zen 5 generations. Mere hours after Moore's Law is dead, leaked new Zen info, Jim at Adora TV emerged from hiding once more to throw in some input of his own. 
For the most part, very similar things were confirmed from him about Genoa, Bergamo, and more architectures already heavily detailed. But one thing did stick out to this writer, what looked like a sized-down epic Threadripper socket called SP6. I have heard of SP6, but never any details to my memory. Um, in summary, SP6 Zen 4 would support 32 Zen 4 cores or 64 Zen 4C cores, meaning it's an IO die and then room for four core chiplets. Uh, Six-channel DDDR5, half that of Genoa and Bergamo, 64 PCIe Gen 5 lanes, 48 CXL lanes, interesting, eight times PCIe Gen 3 lanes, I like that there's just bonus Gen 3 lanes, and a turn variant presumably then would have 64 to 128 Zen 5 cores. This was also mentioned as a successor. Not the amount of cores, but they're going to get a turn variant in this smaller one. So one cannot be 100% sure of this product since there were multiple things on Jim's roadmaps that seem to be outdated by at least six months to a year. But Moore's Law said has heard of SP6 before, so this is definitely something AMD is at least considering launching. Although to be honest, at first this really does look like an embedded product, which people should look up AMD Embedic, Embedded Epic. Embedded. They have these weird, like they were like dual chiplet ones, I believe, for Zen 1 instead of just one for consumer or four. Mm -hmm. So they have these little tiny... So this is something they've done before. Doesn't mean they're going to bring that socket or that type of product to Threadripper. Uh, and this really looks like embedded to me. But again, one cannot rule out that AMD could repurpose the SP6 socket into a Threadripper platform that costs significantly less to make than going with SP5. After all, the original Threadripper was seriously just a Skunksworks project to make Naples into a consumer HDDT platform. No reason they couldn't do it with this socket now. Hopefully, AMD is preparing both a 96-core Threadripper Pro, which to this day is all I can 100% confirm there's a Pro Threadripper coming, and a 32-core standard Threadripper platform to compete with Fishhawk Falls at half the cost. Yeah, I thought this was really interesting from Adored TV's recent video. I mean, I, what do you think about this thing? Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it, it's hard to say where this exactly fits in with their lineup. I suppose this is seems to me like the dwindling place for uh, HEDT as this 632 or 64 Zen uh, 4C core thing. But, you know, this sounds to me like it will probably be a niche product that hopefully gets uh, released as a you know, to consumers to do their own DIY stuff with. But, you know, like you said, more than likely will be embedded into OEM builds. Well, and I, I think if my memory isn't completely wrong, which I guess it could be, AMD has been doing very well in embedded, even since Zen 1, because surprise, mm. they're good at efficiency and scaling up cores. Yeah, so now they're kind of crushing <laughs> Intel and embedded. This seems like, you know, a pretty cool product for that. I wanna, All I'm saying is I don't know if I call it niche. You know, okay. but more niche than, you know. Yeah, I, I guess releasing it to consumers it would occupy a niche, uh, would occupy a very niche space in like the DIY realm. This might be useful for like embed, embedded for professionals, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, and I I would, I just got to say, I'm just going to throw my opinion in here, guys, and some of people get mad at me for saying this. I think this makes way more fucking sense than trying to give 96 cores to a consumer high-end platform. Uh, it does. It, it does. It I, is I don't so see why overkill. It's ridiculous. I don't see why AMD would even release that. To be honest with you, 
And I know Get people are mad at me. They're just like, <laughs> what do you mean? And I'm like, no, look, I said 96 core Threadripper is coming to the pro. It is coming. First half of next year. Yeah, or yeah, sorry, sure. get Epic or get Threadripper Professional. But I don't see the point of having Threadripper Pro and non-pro and having the non-pro also be 96 cores with like four lanes of like no, this is perfect. Six channels of DDDR5, 32 cores of Zen 4 that are clocked way faster than the Threadripper Pro, presumably. And I don't what is a 64 PCIe Gen 5 lane? So again, same amount as Fishhawk Falls. Yeah. Um yeah, they could uh they could make these motherboards for instead of like six hundred dollars, four hundred or less for some of them. Although some would still be expensive. And and again, remember what we're doing here. This is going to cost even more because it's PCIe Gen Five. Like, I, how expensive are the Threadripper Pro motherboards going to be? What gamer creator is going to buy that over a sixteen core Zen Four? Well, maybe you would if it was like a five hundred dollar motherboard that allowed you to have like ten SSDs, but not twenty. Maybe, but I think if you're a gamer, you're still probably better off getting mainstream. Like, I assume these are going to be also lower clocked and everything and probably not scale as well for gaming, but. Well, yeah, but like, what about bragging about what I own, Dan? That's. I always forget about that, Tom. Crass writes in on this note. He says, hey, Tom, in your broken Silicon 152 discussion about upcoming HDT platforms from Intel and potentially from AMD, I want to add one extra bit of context as to why I think the category died. Arbitrary RAM limitations. Both Intel X299 and Threadripper 3000 had a semi-arbitrary 256GB RAM limit. Where I work in the aerospace industry, we have a few dozen workstations with Xeon W, this is 2019-era, 14 nanometer, and crammed with up to four Turing Quadro RTX GPUs. But we also spec out 512 to a terabyte of ECC RAM, depending on the application. Some things like computational fluid dynamics really do need that. This makes Threadripper not an option if we upgrade. Threadripper Pro has the much higher RAM RAM limit of two terabytes, but you can only officially get the CPU in a pre-built, though they can be found from sketchy Chinese sellers I knew, I guess. I think this is what is killing the HDT segment. It's being pinned from one side by 128 gigabyte. 16 core Ryzen's and the other by workstations that go all the way up to two terabytes. So in other words, my conclusion kind of is that who is this arbitrary, weird middle HDT for? My opinion, YouTubers like Jay's Two Cents who like to make silly water-cooled builds with eight gigabyte RAM slots populated for some reason with a 64 64 core CPU. Um, you know... I kind of agree. I, I don't know if there is some workflow that you would need just way less RAM for and a 64 core processor. But yeah, you could argue that maybe that that this is for no one or maybe the other the counter argument to that is they want you to buy Threadripper Pro instead of Threadripper <laughs> if you want those higher RAM limits. Right, and at a certain point you almost have to give the insane IO and RAM limits because it's not going to be even 64 cores moving. We're talking about 96 cores. This is a workstation or server CPU firmly at this point. And I think Fishhawk Falls and an SP6-based Threadripper would make much more sense if there is a non-pro Threadripper. It has to be more different than an arbitrary RAM limit and we disabled half of the memory <laughs> channels. Like, what a yeah. waste. You know, most people who can afford... And again, when they're charging $5,000 for these CPUs, you could afford a workstation, dude. I, I'm sure you can. Yeah. You know, and so you might as well try to make it in between the cost, not almost the cost of a server anyways. Uh, I mean, $5,000 is a whole, P it's a whole crazy gaming PC, C PC just for the CPU. I, 
this is entirely different products at this point. Novocaine Zero writes in. He says, hey, Tom and Dan, I've been listening and watching the channel for a long time, and I've decided it's finally time to sub to the Patreon. Thank you. With all leaks and information from, it seems like NextGen is going to be very competitive. The question is, can AMD really be competitive in all fields at the same time? Not from the performance side of things, but the supply side of things. With TSMC being AMD's sole silicon provider, I don't think they're sole yet, but mostly, you know, can they really buy enough volume to not being done by both NVIDIA and Intel in the race to have stock on shelves for all the different products, server, desktop, laptop, graphics, pro graphics, custom chips, Steam Deck? Navi 33 is, oh yeah, so my answer that I wrote down, I almost started reading it like he was saying it, and my weird Tom as the listener voice, uh, I said, look, man, Navi 33 is 6 nanometers, so is Mendocino. I hear whispers of them actually talking to Samsung, by the way, guys, for some future stuff. I can't say which ones, but they're talking to them. So I don't think AMD is going to give up on getting as much capacity as possible. And you see them buying massive amounts of capacity for the size of their company. So they're trying. They're going to keep trying. And I think they're going to keep getting a lot of capacity more than before. At the same time, though, I think there's a reason they're pivoting to being a premium brand. Yeah, and they, at least where things stand right now, it's not that hard to get AMD products right now, at least compared to what it was like several months ago. So maybe they're at the what they're at right now is the capacity they should be fulfilling. And they are getting a lot more money. As they get more money, they can buy more capacity. But again, True. they do need to start becoming a premium product so that they can have that money to buy the more capacity. Unfortunately, you know, I wish they could give everything away for free. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I will say this, though. Eh, this isn't financial advice. I do think we're on the precipice of a, of a market crash here, guys. And we could see a situation where AMD's advantages in laptop and server where they don't need to charge more they just kind of get to right now favor yeah. them when not everyone's trying to buy up capacity having said that though i mean there's just so many companies trying to buy up chips i, I don't really see that happening but we'll see we'll see what happens to capacity moving forward um the forbidden juice writes in hello tom and dan or guest thinking about the power draw of the next gen video cards i'm wondering if they especially Lovelace, might be really good performance per watt with underclocking and undervolting. From what's been said, the power draw is less of an inefficient design and more of a push it as hard as we can. How this compare to Fermi? Well, I don't think it's fair to call it inefficient design. My understanding is the custom 4 nanometer node they're using for Lovelace is built to operate more efficiently, not than AMD maybe, but than otherwise, at higher voltages. And so the, the, the uh, power curve is higher or yeah now it's still less efficient than if they targeted it to be lower mm -hmm. like i do think there's a world where maybe nvidia targets a 70 percent performance increase and this thing is the most efficient chip on the market slamming amd out of the window but that's not what they're trying to do <laughs> clearly <laughs> so i don't know i don't know how, i can't promise how much undervolting there will be because this is targeting higher voltages on purpose having said that yeah you'll gain a lot from undervolting and i totally expect Mobile Lovelace to be 40 to 60% better. All right. Let us move on then to Hint Hint Dan. I've been reading some stuff on the side here. Uh, we've been having the NVIDIA presentation go on while we're recording. So by the time we get to the final story that would be hoping Lovelace would be teased, we can check if it was teased and comment on it for this episode. And number six is basically the final story, Dan. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> 
Today's video is brought to you by CDKeyOffer.com. Now that I've got my compact Alder Lake benchmarking system done, I'm free to test a lot of graphics cards in both Windows 10 and Windows 11. And I always get those keys from CDKeyOffer.com. That's because it's a reliable long-term sponsor of Moore's Law is Dead that gets you reasonable prices on legitimate keys for these types of products but it's really not all that they offer they also can give you keys for microsoft office uh keys for playstation codes and even some of the latest pc releases like elden ring and they even carry gaming peripherals in chairs now whatever you need cd key offer probably has you covered and they're always running sales but make sure you use the best code possible and that's the ones provided for the moore's law is dead fans moore's law is dead fans get the biggest discount and if you Go to the link on screen or in the description. You can use code BROKENSILICON to get 25% off Microsoft products and DieString to get 3% off everything else on the website. Using these codes really does help Moore's Law is Dead and it helps you play reasonable prices for games that you want in keys that, frankly, you just have to use half of the time. So, again, use the link in the description. Use BROKENSILICON. Use DieString depending on the products you're getting and pay reasonable prices for keys today at CDKeyOffer.com. Story number six, I think we got to talk about the user benchmark thing again. And I didn't do a write-up, but man, Dan, do we have to talk about this, in my opinion. I tweeted it out. Where is it? Here, this is just AMD's official description of the 6750 XT. I think it needs to be said. I think it's all of their refresh cards is that this has this description right which is you can say is worse or better i mean i think it just speaks to laziness but go on yes it is i need to read this this is literally their summary of the 6750 xt Whilst the drought in the GPU market continues, not really anymore, by the way, it's already outdated, street prices for AMD cards are around 50% lower than comparable NVIDIA cards. Many experienced users are simply having no interest in buying AMD cards, regardless of the price. AMD's Neanderthal marketing tactics seem to have come back to haunt them. Their brazen dominion of social media platforms, including YouTube and Reddit, resulted in millions of users purchasing substandard products this generation. Be wary of sponsored reviews with cherry-picked games that showcase the wins and ignore the losses. Experienced gamers know all too well that headline average FPSs are worthless when they are accompanied with stutters, random crashes, and excessive noise and a limited feature set set from May. So from this month, this was written at. Meanwhile, I need to read this. This is the actual summary of the 3070. NVIDIA's 3070 GPU offers once in a decade price to performance improvements. <laughs> it's just so not true. <laughs> I don't know. We got to talk about how horrible user bench is. I th- we had to bring this was so bad when I saw this. I, I, I almost fell over laughing. This is so bad. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much there is to say on it. I think it's fun to just meme on user benchmark every once in a while. One, because they're just such a poorly brand website. And two, every time I see user benchmark get brought up, I see at least one. At least one, like a few comments at least, if people are like, oh, I use this website. 
It's like, oh, I, I think you're doing a service every time you mention how terrible user benchmark is. I mean, this is <laughs> offers once in a decade price performance improve improvements. It is unlikely AMD would have posed a rational th threat. I mean, it, it's actually not about AMD. It says it's about the consoles. It says Christmas has come early for PC gamers with the 3070. You would think the 3070 uh, cured cost several 300 diseases. bucks. Yeah, yeah. it cost 300 bucks or something. Like, yeah, the, I, I mean, even at MSRP, it didn't. It doesn't do what they say it does. <laughs> no, it's like, and then I don't know no. how much we need, even need to bring up the 6750 right up. It's just like. They they don't even comment on the performance of the card. They say things that are just frankly wrong, like there are noise issues with AMD cards and stability issues with them. I don't think that's a widespread issue. I mean, there are drivers from both companies every once in a while that lead to stability issues, but I have not heard of RDNA 2 being an unstable platform. I certainly haven't had that issue. Mm, no. I've had none of the issues, as a matter of fact, that these they describe with my RDNA 2 card. That you've aside had this from, whole generation. Guess, aside from, I guess you could argue a limited feature set because it doesn't have as robust of a competitor to DLSS and FSR. But that that's the only semi-true statement, I guess. Yeah, I mean... And, you know, it is kind of nice that I've had a 3070 and you've had a 6700 XT most of this gen, so we can compare notes. Like, and mm -hmm. I think it's easy to say both of us have had no and issues. Yeah, like I, I, like, and this I've, has been the most stable gen in my life. Yeah, and I've been, like, willing to rag on some of the things with the 6700 XT when, you know, I think AMD fails to deliver on, like, RSR, but... Right, you hated it, RSR, but, yeah, I mean, we've both had very unstable cards before, I have a 6750 XT next to me actually right now. I don't have any issues, guys. So <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's just amazing. It's breathtaking. If you, if you, I guess, I don't know if you have anything else you want to say about this, but Not if really. you use user benchmark or you have a friend that brings up user benchmark when they're building a PC, just slap them and say, no, don't actually slap them, but yeah, punch tell them, them no. Yeah. <laughs> QH Freddy writes in, in hardware and box testing of the 6750 XT, they showed it to be around 10 to 15% behind a 6800. Am I the only one who thinks it's a pretty terrible replacement in the lineup? No. But you couldn't buy the 6800, so. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's supposed to refresh the 6700 XT more so, I would say. Even if they're still so. Are they still selling the 6700 XT, though? I, I actually Yeah, they are. It's still on the market. But yeah, I think more of the stock's going towards that than before, because before there wasn't something else using the stock. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I mean, look, QH Freddy, it's like 10% weaker than a 6800 XT while costing 10% less, kind of, arguably 5% less if you believe the MSRP. But the 6800 was almost not available at all. In fact, Tragaholic writes in, and he says, why does AMD hate the 6800 non-XT? It seems to have the lowest volume, never in stock, on the website on Thursdays. And it's not even there anymore. AIV models are always marked up an insane amount, relatively speaking. And yet, at least in my opinion, it's easily one of the best GPUs in the RDNA 2 lineup, easily compared to the competition. I could go into a long list of reasons why, but my question is, does AMD regret releasing the GPU? Will we ever see something like it again? Is there hope of me getting an MSRP 6800 before Lovelace or RDNA 3? Yeah, maybe like a week before, sure. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. but like... like I, I mean, it's it's just because they don't need to disable it. 
that that die that much, right? Right. And this is something I've actually asked a lot of my sort asked a lot of my sources about over the months because I have this question of like literally do like even when I saw it, I'm like sixty. I thought like I believe in my RDNA two leak. Before RDNA two was announced completely, I said sixty to like sixty eight compute units, and I'm surprised they went to sixty and not like sixty four. Like yeah, that's <laughs> cutting it down. 25 percent yeah that's just bizarre you know so i, I remember it's a die size 20 percent smaller than lovelace on a i think a, at least as good yielding note they didn't need to do this and they had the w6800 as well so they could just use them for that I, I don't know guys i don't know why it's down to 60 and i think the reason amd did this is there's a very good chance the very launch, there were some yields that got that bad. They weren't launching the Pro model yet, so they had to do something with some of them. And they're like, well, in case yields don't keep improving, we'll have this budget option. And then they also said, oh, Navi 22 is not going to be ready till early, till the first half of next year. We need to have a 3070 competitor at launch. Mm -hmm. So they disabled something down to that kind of could be. But I honestly wonder why they didn't just give it like eight gigabytes. And make it 550 yeah. or 500. Like, they really should just made it a 500, a gigabyte card as an option to directly compete with the 3070. Because it just cost way too much with how much RAM was on it. <laughs> Once RAM prices went up for how much... It, none of them need to be disabled down that much. So why would they sell this card with that much of expensive RAM? Yeah, and then it just happened to also be, I think, one of the most positively received cards of the generation. Just, <laughs> you know, ironically, for the card that just had no volume to it. All right, now let us move on to story number seven, and it is a working title called Lovelace Teased. Gerard, oh. could you please edit in a fart noise here? <laughs> that uh, is I haven't what... been, we were recording this while the presentation was going on and I was planning on, we were planning on going through and see, checking what they teased so we could comment on it. I have not looked at anything yet, so I'm assuming there's a lot of information, right, Tom? Well, I've had a couple people who are going to tell me if anything was announced, and they said nothing. I don't know, guys. I gave it a 50-50 chance they'd announce something. The only reason we waited this long um, is that... We were going to record on Tuesday anyways. We might as well wait an extra five hours, even if it sucks to do it in the middle of the night for us in case something's announced. But unfortunately, I'm just... We were going to take a break and scroll through it. They announced custom NVIDIA servers. They announced... I, I saw some comments, actually, if you look in the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, that said, it's really cool NVIDIA's announcing Ampere again. <laughs> All they did is talk about Ampere, guys. And so I don't know what the heck else there is to say about this. They said they were going to talk about gaming in this presentation. So I actually don't think it's completely stupid that we were thinking about talking about it. Uh. <laughs> uh. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing announced. I don't think we have anything to say. I think this tells you. And I didn't think they should announce it either. Like, if they are going to announce Lovelace, even if they can do a paper launch in July, which I, I'm under the impression they can, again, paper launch. Just so you guys know, my understanding is there's not going to be high, avail high availability of Lovelace likely until September. So who cares about, guys, you're not getting it yet until right before RDNA 3 comes out anyways. 
like always. So if they're not really going to have high volume until then, why not just announce it at the last minute a week before you paper launch it anyways, because you still got 3090 TIs to sell. Yeah. And I have a lot of distributors I've talked to that are in a very bad mood about what's going on with how much stock they have to sell. And they would have been very mad if NVIDIA announced this right before the, they, from what I'm told, actually distributors want NVIDIA to have the new generation come out as soon as possible, but to not say anything about it until it's out. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. All right. Doomberry writes in, Hey Tom, I heard the rumors about an early release for the new NVIDIA cards and it made me consider an upgrade since the performance looks to be quite good. Well, it's once in a decade, though, with 3070. Have you seen user benchmark? No. But then I started considering what I would play on it this year, and it's starting making less sense to me. I see Stalker 2 and Redfall. Aren't those both delayed, Dan? Stalker 2 indefinitely Stalker is the 2. war in Ukraine. I'll keep reading his reader mail. You check. Yeah. And the usual yearly releases. And even then, there might be more delays. Assume yeah, Every game's delayed. Assuming you're not stuck on Pascal or older, is there really much of a reason to upgrade this year when you consider what's actually releasing? Um, I mean, what comes out? One of them's God of War that's PlayStation. The Last of Us factions probably PlayStation for PC. Well, I mean, Elden Ring is already out. You probably already bought it if you wanted to play it. So, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm playing Half-Life Alex. My 3070 runs it pretty well. I wouldn't mind running it better, to be honest, but it runs it pretty well. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I think that's always up to you, though. You know? Yeah. I, uh, um, no new Battlefield. My, yeah. my upgrades <laughs> are less, typically less influenced by, like, if a game comes out, I just upgrade when I need to. Or yeah, there's, sense. Yeah. There's not that much coming out this year, though, I don't think, for PC, really. Or yeah. Most of the stuff that's came out has already come out is probably a better way to put it. And, yeah, I just checked. Red, Redfall is first half of 2023. All right, right so that's what I thought. So let us get to the wrap up then. Uh, so Apple finally might be getting rid of Lightning, Dan. Good. I mean, I don't have too much else to say. I'm glad to see USB-C taking over as the uh, universal port as forced by the EU, basically. Yeah, but yeah, Exactly. For those who don't know, they said we're tired of the waste of all of these cables. Everyone moved to USB-C by law. And there's a, you know, a libertarian part of me that's like, well, but what if someone has something better? But there's another part of me like, it would be nice, though, if it was just USB-C. It would be nice right now. And you, I, I, I can't speak to lightning cords, but um, USB-C is clearly the best co uh, port I, I've ever seen. I remember when I... Uh, I help our parents uh, choose a monitor for you for Christmas, and I was testing it and calibrating it and updating it. I had to update it to like support the actually a lot of features before I got it to you. And to test it, I plugged in my 2060 laptop through USB-C, ran it 4K 144 hertz HDR on a laptop from a, over a year ago, and I was like, oh, I could do that over U even this USB-C port? Oh, why do we need yeah, anything could, else? What the heck? I, I, I could see USB-C taking over. It's like the, just the universal port for everything. Like, it's, it's awesome, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, there's still reason to have HDMI, HDMI ports and display ports for, like, specific types of, like, I.O. on the die reasons, I think. But just having mostly USB-C moving forward, where all of them can just be displayed. Well, all of them obviously can't. There's connections on the die that 
dictate this, but you know, mm-hmm. having the options for just like multiple ports that can plug in a smaller uh, USB drive or charge your phone or charge the laptop or the phone, depending on what's plugged in, or power a 144 hertz HDR display. I, I yeah, it'd be nice if we just use that more. Um, yeah. I thought this was interesting. Intel admitted their 10 nanometer uh, node is double the efficiency of 14 nanometer, not 2.3. Openly admitting they failed to hit their 10 nanometer goals even to this day. Yeah, <laughs> not too much to say to that, but thanks yeah. for admitting it, Intel. No. And then what else do we have here? Oh, I think we need to briefly mention we talked about from some early benchmarks the 6x50 XT launch a couple weeks ago. I think it's worth mentioning, generally speaking, we said four to eight percent better. The 6950 XT is 10% better, sometimes more in a couple games than the 6900 XT. And this is due to having faster clocked infinity cache, which I think warrants oh, yeah. a mention. That is actually kind of interesting and goes to show, oh, that seemed to make a little bit of a difference. You know, we don't yeah. know what the infinity cache, what's going on with the infinity fabric in Zen 4 and RDNA 3. Clearly, they've learned something here recently. And, uh, and I think it should be noted that uh, the now is technically slightly better uh, at MSRP is slightly better uh price performance than the 6900 xt so which you're starting to see those go to 900 dollars on newegg oh well, yeah i guess that's true i was gonna say maybe the better option but if the 6900 xt is 900 dollars, i'm gonna pick the 6900 xt why would you do that dan christmas has come early with the charity that is the ampere series from nvidia i just read that on user benchmarks and i just they actually that? yeah they actually pay you to get 3070s yeah, you don't get a nine hundred dollar sixty nine hundred XT. Get a two thousand dollar thirty ninety Ti for that extra ten twenty percent performance for sure. Yeah, yeah. Don't, <laughs> it's so dumb. Framework laptop motherboards. What is this? Are now sold separately? I thought this was interesting. Uh, I guess this is that modular laptop, but now they're selling this micro motherboard separately, so you can make a tiny little card sized, de- maybe a bit bigger deck of card sized PC. With 3D uh, printed I, cases around it. I don't I just thought that was uh, an interesting option. Some modder is going to figure out how to make like a Steam Deck competitor thing with this. With Tiger, yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially if they upgrade it to like something with like a Meteor Lake in the future for the framework. Yeah. You could see someone making a Meteor Lake Steam Deck. But I mean, framework could themselves. They could, they could have a motherboard chassis you can put into their laptop or a Steam Deck competitor. Actually, that's yeah. kind of a cool idea. Um, there's thought it was worth mentioning. Oh, B650 Extreme already talked about that. Oh, and Intel announced they're going to, what is it, August 21st. So three months from now, they're going to reveal Meteor Lake and Arrow Lake, as Intel loves revealing things really, really, really early. Well, you know what they say, you can never spoil something too early, right, Tom? Not if you're Intel. All right, let's get through this, Dan. We're almost done. Let's get to the final reader mails. All right, Beefish writes in again. He says, the last two years have been a really interesting ride. It could be argued that COVID pushed an already surging PC market to new market share while a simultaneous mining boom and supply chain issues crushed supply, leading to astronomical price increases from several factors. Now with competition back in the CPU space, huge generational improvements in performance there, the return of a robust used market that is likely to be flooded by used mining cards, and huge generational improvements in GPUs, can you ever recall a time where we went from such a bad situation to consumers possibly having, though not confirmed yet, 
Such an amazing one. Might quarter four of this year be one of the best times to build a PC ever? Yes. I mean, I, I think it's... I, I think it's probably... Eh, eh, I, I don't know if it's jumping the gun at, all at this point. I, I do think it's probably going to be a lot better. We're already pointing, seeing signs of it being a lot better. Like, I think I sent you an article yesterday uh, that I think it's the 3070 and 3080 street prices gone down by like 50 per, by like 30 percent in the past like four months <laughs> yeah and and i was looking i was laughing i tweeted this i said hey uh guys a 3090 from evga on their website is 1200 dollars for limited time any of you idiots trying to sell a dell 3090 for 1700 on ebay used sell lower before you're yeah. the last guy holding the bag, and they're already like 1200 Actually, I am curious if right now they've got... It'd be funny if some of them lowered their price today because they thought they are going to announce Lovelace. <laughs> yeah. Let me see, because the Dell 3090s are the ones I watch. Because Gamers Nexus actually said they weren't built badly. Yeah, yeah, so they're still like 1250 But yeah, so, I mean, you can see, just a month ago, this thing was selling for two grand. So... Mm-hmm. It's dropping quickly, and I do think this needs to be pointed out as well, Beefish, that people saying, oh, Zen 4 requires DDR5. I do think DDR5 is going to be a lot cheaper at the end of this year, though, guys. So I think that I would actually say it's quarter one, 2023, because that's when stock will actually be rolling out in high, high amounts for a while and after the uh, holiday season. But yeah, I, I think this could be one of the best times to build ever. I, I really do. It's too yeah. early to be 100% sure, but it's looking likely. Dick Dickler writes in, might I trouble you with an inquiry, sirs, I guess. Is there going to be an upscaling event horizon resolutions reach? By that, I mean, reconstructing 8K from 4K should be damn near identical when you consider how much better 4K from 1440p is than 1440p from 1080p. And then 16K from 8K would be even more so. Yeah, I bet it works fine. Eventually, there should be a resolution with enough information to reconstruct any resolution, at least for all intents and purposes for what you can tell the difference between. Is that correct? And if so, what resolution would you guess it's at? I think there's always going to be slight differences until we get to 32K or something. But, yeah, I think that 8K with DLSS and FSR is going to probably yeah. end this debate once and for all. I, I think 8K is the last resolution anyone really needs. Mm -hmm. but there's going to be 16k there will be but who knows maybe in 2050 we'll be like oh, no 30, 32k looks really good but i i, I doubt it mm -hmm. so yeah i do think so um and and i find dlss actually works well enough that running high quality dlss even in 1080p is preferable to playing the game in 720p for sure so 4K, DLSS, I just turn on in every game at this point, basically, without worrying about it, as long as it's a recent game, not a DLSS 1.0 game. Although you can modify the INI files to use the newer one. And I imagine, yes, even at 5K and 8K, it's, it's going to become no, a nothing, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think so. And, I, and when is that? I mean, I don't know, probably 8K. <laughs> Boldhead writes in, during, please read during a news episode. Okay. I just want to let everyone know who uses AMD laptops that there's now a tool that allows you to tune your RAM. This solves the main problem with most AMD-based laptops, especially gaming laptops, which have a lack of RAM tuning settings in the BIOS. 
It also has various CPU tuning settings, but the RAM one is the biggest deal in my opinion since there haven't been any tools to solve the problem before. Let me see this smokeless CPU tool. Oh, well, yeah, I, I don't have much to add. I have an Intel laptop. You have an AMD laptop. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, I figured I'd read it for as a PSA. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, QH Freddy writes in again. And I actually put some of them in the mail bag. He's been asking a lot of good questions today, so what can I do? Why do people constantly seem to lose their mind over NVIDIA's ARM acquisition failing? Who The whole reason it was shot down was because it was pretty obvious NVIDIA could already do basically everything they needed to do with ARM IP without acquiring them, yet people somehow seem to believe NVIDIA will never be able to use ARM IP now. Literally every phone on the market uses ARM-derived IP in their processors, sold by companies who do not own ARM. Apple even basically spun off their whole entire ISA based on ARM. Yet somehow when NVIDIA can't buy ARM, it's the end of the road. Well, QH Freddy, I agree with you. This to me, and I have seen some people bring this up before, sounds like in some forums, there's this weird consensus reached on like a subreddit or something. NVIDIA's screwed now. Or yeah. there was some video by some tech tuber who made this argument. I doubt it. I, I think correct. I think, I think NVIDIA is going to continue using ARM IP in their servers when they want to use ARM IP in their server blades. Wait, they showed ARM server blades today, Dan. Should we go watch the entire NVIDIA Computex presentation and come back? Um, can we watch the Ampere unveiling part two again? Yeah, as well. yeah, let's go do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, but so I, I, I think that's a very logical argument, QH Freddy. The reason they weren't allowed to buy ARM is because it was deemed there's no reason to get ARM except for anti-competitive reasons. And so, yeah, they're fine. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Okay. Well, Dan, that's it. Good. Quite an eventful day. Quite an event well, besides NVIDIA, but still. Uh, yeah. Quite a lot said. And uh, I don't, you know, it's midnight for almost midnight for me. It's almost one p one a.m. for you. I think we're both very tired. So I think that's just gonna about do it, don't you think, Dan? Yep. <laughs> All right then. Remember, guys, subscribe to Broken Silicon in your podcast app of choice, just so it's there. Maybe you're driving, you don't want to watch it on YouTube or something. It really helps us get numbers there. That gets recommended to more people who maybe don't watch YouTube as much. Give us a review on your podcast app of choice, especially Apple Podcasts that boosts us up the charts. Helps us a lot there as well. And then, of course, subscribe to Broken uh, Moore's Law is Dead on YouTube. Upvote everything. Give people, every time someone high-fives you, say, by the way, watch Broken Sil listen to Broken Silicon. And yeah. uh, support us on Patreon if you have the extra money. You get this early, ad-free, ask us questions, ask us questions. Got an Oculus engineer coming up. Got Jared. We got a lot of, a lot of big people coming up. It's going to be great. And, uh, yeah, that's it, guys. I'm done. I'm falling asleep. I can tell Dan's dozing off, which is weird because of how exciting that Computex presentation from NVIDIA yeah, was. Yeah, it was very exciting. But, uh, anyways, everybody, thanks for listening. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law is Dead podcast videos, articles, and other media. However, I don't do this alone. Moore's Law is Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother, 
Dan. Audio editing by Gerard Cortez and special assistance by Carbon Cry. Find all of our information, including the information of sponsors you can support, at www.moreslawsdead.com. If you would like to send fan mail or hardware to us, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead at P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. And speaking of fans, patrons are what makes Moore's Laws Dead content possible. The aging business model of spamming ads all over the content is dying. The future of media will be built on fans paying for the content they actually want to exist. And so if you have the extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who would love to meet you and talk to you about computer hardware. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the entire back catalog of Flyover State's podcasts and other projects, Moore's Laws that is done, and thanks in the credits of videos and other perks as well. And hey, if you can't afford to support us, please do share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media, Reddit, and forums. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast app. All of this really does help so much. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, hire Tom for consulting, or are a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its patrons supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Full, A.V., Anthony Greffa, Greg Pataki, Muhammad Alkawari, Brett Jones, Aaron Close, BBC 6800 XT Big Sexy, Jan Rauner, Daniel Hyde, Ivan K., Brian Riggleman, Joaquin Hagen, Sam Miller, Deke, Thomas Rupp, The Mechanical Philosopher, Terrence Harrod, SNES Chalmers, Tom Bailey, Greg T. Wanchuk, Andrew S., Dane Galanowski, Daniel D., MJB1, Eric Jackson, Justice Brennan, Sammy Good, Valko Malev, The Boss, Haas, I Love You, Lennon, Jim, Spamton, G. Spamton, Jonathan, Jeremy So, General Drips, Blake, Franco Frederick, Matthew Liz- Azir, Jensen Wang, Nathan Mose, Azuris, Gregory S. Hacker, Dominique Hawk, Jake Dude 23, Jake Martin, My Name is Nobody, Caillou Markelli, Hardforroom.com, Original Ross, Slicky, Stefan, David Cowden, Ricky Tans, Christopher A. Butler, Jeremy Scalen, Sarcaster, Stefan Hart, Jason B., Meat and Pork, Stu, Tim Robb, Luis Correa, Ian Clifford, Jesse Jeskowiak, Travis Gooding, Holden Mobley, Nanyan, Chris Rich, Deep. This Learners, Mads, Zutsu Taylor, Stephen Coates, Michael McGee, Benjamin Oshley, Simi Malas, Greg, Ah Trini, Patrick Grow, Amiable Chief, Brett Summers, Denny Nugent, Arcane 311, Tommy, Kunden, Brucha, Mark Mitchell, John Wissink, Damon Peterson, James Anderson, Y Trui, Mark Raidmaker, Seth Domings, 3DS Boy 08, Hal Buma, Narithiel, Matthew Landavaso, Stefan Koatic, Henry Shang, Judson NF7GOS, The Grid, Michelle Pell, D31337 Antics, Jason Bowen, Noah, Nicoella, Hexapuma, Chrysantine, Jerem, Barriera, Zabit03, Desis, Thomas A. Teef, Klein, Brit, Inian, DNA Tech, 50C Desert, Axel Ciceros, Royce Meyer, Charles Russell, Reginald Ari, Morphysis, Teak Autumn, Jackson Miller, JSMMH, Sandy Garrido Saunderson, David Eastland, Fire Falcon on YouTube, Andre Jacques, Gaiman Since Reagan, Jeff Settler, Eric Osborne, Loophole 35, Winstar Joker, James I. Raider, Corey Leonard, Sammy Malas, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. <laughs>